I live in Israel. This season is dedicated to the memory of the 1,400 of my countrymen who were massacred on October 7th, and the 240 people that were kidnapped and are being held hostage by the terrorist organization Hamas. Hopefully they will be returned to their families as soon as possible, and hopefully this terrible war will be able to come to a peaceful end very soon. Welcome to Minute 38 of Season 6 of Movie Minute, the daily podcast where we take a Capra-esque journey through the 1946 classic, It's a Wonderful Life, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me today is Richard Kirkham of Kirkham Movie A Day and the Shepherd of the Lambcast. Welcome back, Richard. Glad to be here. I wish I had a million dollars, but you know what? I'd be here anyway. Well, instead, here's some popcorn. How's that? Thank you. I like that. <laughs> All right. So minute 38 begins with uh, George still uh, deep in thought and ends with a party getting underway. So we we ended things yesterday with uh, George once again having a uh, uh, a, a, what's the what's the term having a a shoe thrown into his into his plans Uh, something a fly in the ointment uh, something. No, funny thing is, uh, is John McLean, you know, <laughs> a monkey in the wrench, monkey in the wrench. <laughs> there you go. We can we can use all the, the John McLean uh, phrases for, for what is going on there. But basically, he was uh, given the, the sad news for him, at least that he's not about to go on his uh, his tour around the world. I mean, we we know now that George is. Uh, how old is George? George is 25, I believe, at this point. If this is 1932, that sounds about right. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's 19, if it's it's 1932, and he was born in 1907, so yes, he's he's 25 at this point. You know, ready to take on the whole world, and now he finds out that uh, his plans are have been thwarted once again, and that he has to stay and run the building and loan uh, because Harry apparently got a job. Well, first of all, Harry is married <laughs> and apparently has been promised a job by his new father-in-law, which we'll, we'll have to find out what, what type of job it is. Maybe today we'll hear about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, Harry's a genius at something, right? Apparently. <laughs> well, we know that, that Harry is, is, is very good at a lot of things. So, you know, we can, we can see Harry in the background picking up a whole bunch of uh, – Suitcases. George walks in a little stupor, bumps into somebody as he's as he's walking. We we see him walking past the the boards that are telling us the uh, eastbound and, and westbound uh, trains, and then he ends up uh, coming up to uh, Ruth. And as this is all happening, we we hear uh, Uncle Billy in the background go, "This is the new Mrs. Bailey, my nephew's wife." And some man goes, "How are you?" He goes, "Old, old friend of the Baileys." Oh, really? <laughs> what are their names? Let's see. Oh, of course, I've heard him speak of you. And I want to tell you, we're going to give the biggest party this town ever saw. <laughs> so uh, I, I wonder if Harry told 
Ruth all about his Uncle Billy and, you know, how he's going to be talking secret ways of grandeur or something like that. You know, just he, he's just uh, frothing at the mouth. <laughs> Uncle Billy's a character, and uh, I don't think it would take Ruth long to figure that out. Correct. Correct. No, but the question is whether she was warned. That That's... You know, you, you know, usually when 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 you go and meet a family for the first time, you, you get at least the the, the major points are, are given to you. You know, this is watch out for my crazy uncle. That's right. <laughs> watch out for my crazy uncle, who's apparently now 59, you know, and, and even now he'll say if he needs to find a job, you know, he'll find something. <laughs> we hear a lot of uh, chatter in the background and things like that. And then George uh, stands right next to Ruth. She goes, here, have some popcorn. It, it got me thinking, like, what, what, what do you know about popcorn besides the fact that it's, uh, you know, some popular that, uh, you know, that, that, that we all like to, to, to have when we're watching movies? Well, you know, for somebody who consumes massive amounts of popcorn, I know very little about it. <laughs> I don't know how the corn gets treated in order to get it to pop, uh, how it has, whether or not, how long it has to be dried, whether or not there's particular breeds of corn that they use for any of those things. I don't know any of that. I just know that I want mine, you know, hot with butter. And I know it's not real butter, it's butter flavored oil. And I'm okay with that because uh, that tastes pretty damn good. And right. add a little salt, and, you know, then sometimes people add other flavors to it. That's all good as well. Uh, I'm afraid I I have to restrict myself <laughs> when I go to the movies because I'll I'll do one of those big tubs of popcorn by myself, and I'll start the second I'm in sitting down. And uh, my daughter, when she goes with me to the movies, she, she basically takes the popcorn and puts it on the other side of her and says, "You can't have it until the movie starts." <laughs> <laughs> but I but I have no background information about how uh popcorn originated uh or any of the other you know technical things related to it but okay. i'll bet you do I, I i know some of the things about it yes so first of all uh where where you know where where was corn originally uh grown do you know that uh you know what i assume that it was uh, someplace here in the western hemisphere yes it was it was uh, first uh, uh, grown in, in uh, the areas which are now known as Mexico. Okay. Um, and uh, apparently they found, archaeologists have found evidence that people have been eating popcorn for thousands of years, you know, ever since the movie started, apparently. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they even have fossil evidence that, that claims that there, there were people eating corn uh, that was popped all the way back to 4700 BC. So according to that, we're talking about what 6,000 years ago. That's uh, no, sorry, almost 7,000 years ago. That's so crazy. if you were watching one of those ancient Aztec games where they were playing with somebody's head, you might have been sitting in the stands having some popcorn. There you go, exactly. You know, <laughs> makes sense. And uh, basically, only in uh, you know when once. The, the Americas were discovered by the Europeans. That's when, you know, back to what we were talking about yesterday about triangle trade. So, uh, you know, corn was uh, being sent over to, to, to Europe and they started, uh, you know, uh, planting uh, corn 
all all around the the world at that point. I mean, if I, if I remember correctly, I think the you know the the pilgrims first uh, uh, first meal with the with the Indians, they actually uh, the corn was one of the things that they apparently uh, were introduced to at the time. At the time, the famous uh, first Thanksgiving. Yeah, that's right. Corn is in almost everything nowadays. Most modern products have some kind of corn element to it, uh, whether it's corn syrup for sweetening or whether it has to do with the starch that they use to uh, hold uh, other ingredients together. It's ubiquitous. And I know this because my oldest daughter is allergic to corn. She's a celiac and she's allergic to corn, which means food just wants to kill her. Apparently. <laughs> her sick. Wait, so how does she watch so movies? She, yeah, she she fortunately for her, she's not a, she's not the huge movie fan that my younger daughter is. Are you are you but, sure that uh, she's yours, Richard? I'm pretty sure because <laughs> um, uh, believe me, whenever I argue with her, I know I'm listening to myself. <laughs> no, okay. okay, that's fair, <laughs> but. We thought for years that she was allergic to uh, avocados because she would have uh, hives and allergic reaction to when we would have guacamole. And then we figured out, no, it's not the avocados. It's the corn chips. Ah, OK. Well, OK. Well, I'm, I'm glad you figured that out. I mean, again, unfortunately, I hope she didn't overly enjoy eating corn all the time. <laughs> no, no. It's one of those things she just had to get used to, like a lot of things. You know, so she's. She eats a, she follows a gluten-free diet and a corn-free diet. And that means that there's just not as much to choose from. She's just eating a lot of potatoes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah rice flour. There you go. You know, and, and almonds for a, a variety of products. And she, you know, if she's going to have soda, she's got to make sure that it's pure sugar. Oh, wow. Okay. That, that's fair. <laughs> no, none of that corn syrup. <laughs> that's it that's right that's it but when when do you think the term popcorn uh was was first uh started to be used that's an interesting one i would assume it's probably well it's it sounds to me like it's an english term so after the uh native americans introduced it to those who were arriving from the the old world well obviously it was after that there. but again we're, so we're talking after 1620 when after 1620 <laughs> okay, I'll say 1737. Okay, 1848. All right. Well, I was um, only off by a hundred years. That's right. Which you know, when when we're talking about uh, you know 7,000 years of history, so you know, then that's it's pretty good. Since, you know, since since they found that people in Peru were eating uh, you know popcorn 7,000 years ago, so I guess so. So in uh, I wonder what they called it for the first 6,000 years. That's a, a great question that I do not know the answer to. Uh, some the, the, at there the, it, it says here that there were times when it was called pearls or non pearls. Huh. So we're calling it popcorn in the 1840s, and in Bartlett's uh, Dictionary of Americanisms in 1848. Uh, so it appears there as popcorn. All right, yeah. I'll believe it. <laughs> you have a source citation and page number and a publication. I'm good with that. I, I actually do. If you're really, if you're, if, <laughs> if you're adamant, I can make sure that. No, no, uh, I wasn't uh, asking for it. I, I assumed that you had it. You said that you had it. You gave me a, an appropriate citation for an oral presentation like this. That's fine. There you go. <laughs> you, you can put all the details in the notes. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and. 
Um, so they, they they had a popcorn machine that was part of a streetcar at a at a certain point in the 1880s by a man in Chicago named Charles Kertors. And um, in, the, in the 1890s, it became even more uh, popular once he himself created a the, the popcorn maker, uh, which was a, a steam powered machine that was able to you know to, to pop the the corns and stuff like that. And you know, back to what we were saying uh, uh, about uh, peanuts uh, yesterday. So it it also became very popular during the uh, the World's Fair. Yeah, that's right. That's probably when they started selling it in little bags and adding butter to it. <laughs> um, well, at the beginning, they would sell them uh, during during the Great Depression. They would sell they would uh, sell sell uh, bags for uh, five to ten cents a bag. And uh, I wish it I was actually, paying that now. That's right. <laughs> and and it actually became a thriving business during that time because of the fact that uh, it was so cheap. So well, yeah. price will drive it. Uh, apparently, and and it makes sense. <laughs> you know, the I mean the 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 uh, and and that's also what made it popular for for movies. You know, because it was a a uh, a it was an inexpensive way to to you know to give people refreshments. So a uh, theater owner named uh, Glenn Dickinson installed popcorn machines in the lobbies of all of his theaters. And he came to the realization that that selling popcorn was even more po- profitable to him than selling the theater tickets themselves. So they would actually lower the the prices of their tickets in order to sell popcorn. <laughs> well, you know, they didn't have to share the profits from the popcorn sales with the uh, film company. That's true. Also, it's a good point. So the the two of them are sitting there and they're uh, you know they're 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 eating popcorn. And then Ruth says, George, 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 that's all Harry ever talks about. You know, which, again, is interesting, you know, that, that uh, you know, he's this, this newly married, uh, you know, college graduate. And all he does is talk about his brother. <laughs> he doesn't have anything else to talk about. Just let's talk about my brother. <laughs> well, you know, the. Yeah, he, he, he's a younger brother. Obviously, I think he has a little bit of uh, hero worship of his brother. It's one of those things that you could imagine uh, somebody you know, bragging. Brother who you know, took over, did the responsible things. Uh, he looks up to him. That's just the way That's the way kid brothers can be. Right. Okay. I, I, I can understand that. But it's just funny, the, the, the phrasing, you know, that, that, that Harry – is you know they're, they're again they're trying to tell us here that Harry is always envious of George. Even yeah, well, George looks at it that there's no need for it. Right. Well, we like I said, uh, if you were living someplace else, you met this girl, you fell in love, and she's asking you about your life back home. All of your stories involve your brother in this particular case because you know when you're talking about who your friends were and what's happened in your life you say well you know my brother george saved my life when i was you know nine you know that kind of thing or eight and uh you know when uh we uh when my father passed away uh 
George, you know, came to the rescue in those situations. I think all the major events in his life were centered around the family, and George is the center of the family, even though he doesn't recognize it. Right. Okay. All right. That is fair. You know, that, you know, again, it goes, it goes back to what we said that they didn't have the internet for him to tell, you know, what, what he's been doing on the internet. So, you know, he's got to talk about, <laughs> he's got to talk about his brother who he goes, uh, you know, dangerous sledding with, you know, that that's thing. So I, I, I guess that makes sense, you know, from that perspective. And then, uh, George changes the subject a little bit and goes, uh, Ruth, uh, uh what, what about this job? She goes, Oh, well. My father owns a glass factory in Buffalo. He there it to, is, Buffalo. There you go. Oh, that's right. I said Rochester before. It is Buffalo. Right? Yeah. He wants to get Harry started in the research business. Well, is, is it a good job? Oh, yes. Very. Not much money, but a good future, you know? Well, of course, if you're working for the, the bosses, you know, if the boss is your father-in-law, of course you have a good future. <laughs> yeah. Harry's a genius at research. And my father just fell in love with him. And you did too. Uh-huh. So, I mean, basically the, the, the dialogue here, and again, after this uh, dialogue, I don't think we're, we're ever going to see or hear from Ruth again. You know, she's going to go into the party and that'll be it. But it, it, it's very important what it, what it is that she's telling us here. Well, it's, it's all the, the reason why George continues to make the decisions that he does he says you know what what's the best thing for harry you know if if i make harry stay here he's losing an opportunity that would be great you know he's got this lined up he's got this pretty girl that he's married he's got a future laid out in front of him uh it's it's an industry that's likely to be growing and there's a future to it uh this is you know this is a good path and you know george is not going to throw up a, a brick wall for his brother to keep him from going down that path by you know, kind of insisting that he take over the savings and loan. Sure. So it's another it's another one of those things where we we know why George makes these decisions because he, does, he wants to do the right thing. And he wants to make sure in this particular case that it, this is, in fact, the right thing. That's why he quizzes Ruth about the job and, and what it's all about. Is this really something that's worthwhile and important and good for him correct he he wants to make sure that that uh you know that, that harry will be taken care of i think that's yeah. what it comes down to again i mean we, we we've already seen even just in the, the few short scenes ever since peter bailey died that that george is basically running the family you know yeah. he's he's reached the point where he needs to now help as much as he can you know, with, with, with everything. And therefore he's the one who made the decision that he's going to send uh, Harry to college instead of himself. And he's the one who made the decision that, that he was going to stay in the, the savings and loan, you know, things like that, because it's the family business and stuff like that. You know, so I, even at this early age, he's already needed to take on the, the position of being the uh, patriarch of the family. Right. You know, and so, you know, when, uh, you know, one of the, the jobs of a patriarch is obviously to, to look at everyone else's situation and, and try and make the best decision based on what's going on. You know, what's the best decision for everybody around? I, I guess that makes sense, you know, for him to, yeah. to, you know, he's, he's checking out Ruth and the story just to make sure that, that uh, it makes sense and that it, that it's worthwhile 
for uh, Harry Bailey and the whole Bailey clan to, you know, to do things like this. So I can understand that. So we don't exactly know where uh, Bedford Falls is in New York, but uh, we, we know where Buffalo is. So what, what, what do you know about Buffalo? Well, it's right on the edge of uh, Niagara Falls. It's uh, a very well-known industrial area. Uh, the Buffalo Bills played there. The Buffalo Bills football team uh, is from, obviously, Buffalo, New York. And they made the Super Bowl four years in a row and lost it four years in a row. Wow. See, I'm, I'm not a football fan, so I, could, I, wouldn't have even, I wouldn't have been able to tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> You know, if you would have said to me, you know, that the the, the Bills were, were in the Super Bowl four years in a row, how many times they would, did they win during that time? I would not have thought for a second zero. <laughs> so here you are. And uh, like I said, I, I've, I, I've been to Buffalo. Uh, it's it's, you know, ex it's exactly what you imagine to be, you know, kind of Western New York. It's not the. It's not a cosmopolitan kind of area. It's a working class kind of area. And it's a lot of, like I said, a lot of industry. And Niagara Falls is right across the road. Correct. Okay. Um, if, if, if you're thinking of the, 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 the 100 largest cities in the U.S., uh, where do you think Buffalo fits in? I would think Buffalo would probably be down in the uh, – 20s um well it's the 78th largest city in the u.s wow i'm really surprised at that that's impressive you know well i tell you what it's interesting to me that the 78th largest city in the country has its own football team i live in what is the 10th or 11th largest city in the country and we don't have a football team a professional football team uh, i thought you were in i thought you were in dallas Nope, Austin. Oh, Austin. Okay. Okay. All right. That makes sense. Austin doesn't have any sports teams, do they? We have a soccer team. Like I said, they don't have any sports teams. In Austin. Yeah, and, and and minor minor league. You know, there there's a minor league hockey team, a minor league baseball team, but we don't have any major sports franchises. Uh, they sometimes the um, the basketball teams the professional basketball teams the spurs and the mavericks play a game or two in austin uh -huh. okay. you know, to keep their fan base going but uh, we don't have our own sports teams here so i never feel guilty about continuing root for my uh hometown teams the uh, of course the uh my alma mater in college the usc trojans who are having less successful year than we might have hoped and then uh you know the rams uh in professional football would probably be the team that i would root for because they were the team that i rooted for when i was a kid okay that's fair that's fair so what year do you think uh, the city of buffalo was uh, incorporated uh, you know what i'm i have no clue but i would imagine it was pretty early maybe uh, 1840s 1832 very good all right. Yeah. Good deal. Mm -hmm. And like you said, uh, it's it's located right on the border by by Niagara Falls. Please, as the, the this whole conversation is going on, did you did you notice anything going on around them while they're having this uh, 
conversation? Not really. I, I, I seem to recall that there was some, you know, people walking around. Uh, they're at the popcorn stand. They, they're popping popcorn, popping. I shouldn't say it that way. They're popping popcorn into their mouths. They're not popping popcorn. Uh, and uh, I, I think it's mostly close ups on them. Right. But there may be some activity in the background. Yeah. And but at the beginning of the minute, there's this long there's like a 15 second segment where George is walking slowly and silently across the screen mm-hmm. and all the all the traffic is going on in the background at the train station. Right. Right. And uh, no, and so we see in the background, we see cars in the background and people walking and stuff like that. And then, you know, the scene changes and we're, we're now uh, I mean, uh, we're in front of the Bailey household. And I never noticed this before, but they're actually trying to take a, a family portrait. Right. Which, again, it, I, I've seen this movie dozens of times and I never noticed that this is what they were doing. You know, so we, we have, awesome. you know, we, we, you, we don't you recognize most of the people. <laughs> well, let me look around and say I, I can see Ma Bailey. Uh, there's Harry. Uh, uh, what's the, the maid's name? Annie. I forget. Annie. And and then uh, in the background uh, is the other cousin uh, right behind Uncle Billy. That's right. You have Tilly Tilly and uh, Tilly, cousin Tilly. And then uh, the person who's taking the picture is actually cousin Eustace. Yeah, there you go. So, yeah. So, you know, we don't recognize everybody, but uh, we recognize a few people. So it does seem like it's a family photo opportunity. Yeah. And. It's the celebration that uh, Uncle Billy had promised. Oh yes, apparently, and it, and it was a celebration that they thought it was only going to be for Harry. You know, little little did they know. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, as as they're you know, Yusuf takes the picture, and they like uh, jumps up uh, high, and I mean, they this is a time when they had to use big uh, flash photography. You know, you have a huge flash as, as the whole thing is going on. And, you know, there's there's music going on in the background. And yeah, it's quite elaborate. This is not a brownie camera that somebody's just holding in their hands. This is there's a, a camera on a tripod. There are multiple flashes there that's going on. I do know for a fact uh, I don't know much about the business, but uh, my great grandfather had a photography business back where uh, my parents uh, grew up. And I know that my grandmother, uh, her dad, is the one that had this photography business. And I've, I've got some business cards and some pictures from that business. And they that business existed at that time. And they did exactly this kind of thing. Oh, wow. That's actually very cool. You know, and, and Eustace is standing there. And like he jumps down, so apparently he must have been standing on some sort of maybe a chair or a ledge or something like that to get a better uh, perspective, a better view of everything in order to take this picture. Um, do, you, do you know where the the word photography comes from? Like, what does it mean? No, I do not. It means to draw <laughs> with light. You know what? It, I think I heard that someplace. It, I think, it comes I think from there the was Greek. a. I think there's a film or a a book that talks about photography that way, and and I I think I have heard that phrase to draw with light, uh, but I I wouldn't have guessed that. Yeah. 
No, it's just, I, I never even thought about like what is what does it really mean? It's pretty cool. Yes. You know, I'm I'm sure uh you know our our, our good friend James Wilson would love to to, to hear that. <laughs> yes. So shout out to James if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, photography in in some shape or form goes back really really far farther than I uh, expected because I I'd always thought that they basically only had photography since uh, the U.S. Civil War time. But apparently, uh, I think yeah, it was maybe thirty or forty years before that that it started. That's right, eighteen twenty-five. They they would they would make. Uh, uh, Highlyographic engravings on metal plates. I do think, because this is my reference on this uh, uh, American history stuff, I think that Andrew Jackson is the first president to actually have his photograph taken. And I think Jackson, I, I think, I think, I think was what I president in the 30s, if I remember correctly. Uh, like, I think 1828 to 1836, somewhere like that. Okay. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. So again, there's this elaborate party uh, going on at the uh, at the Bailey household. You know, I, I love that they have like a a uh, what's that called that 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 you have at the end of like horse races with like you know a, a shoe uh, uh, an arch of flowers or something like that. What's oh that? yeah. Um, there is a name for it, uh, like a bouquet, uh, um, but I can't think of what the phrase is that you have for, for, uh, horses. Then it's, it's shaped like a shoe horse. Right. But no, but here it's just, it's just like a pole of flowers. You know, I, I mistakenly thought that it was, uh, you know, that it was shaped somehow, but it's it basically just like a staff, but it's pretty, pretty tall. It's probably, uh, at least seven feet tall based on what we can see there. And as they're uh, walking walking towards the the house, that basically uh, finishes this minute. So, did you have anything else you want to say about this minute, Richard? I can't think of anything that I uh, would want to point out. Uh, there was, like I said, it was this was one of the ones that I had the least number of notes on. Um, okay, that's that's not a like crime. Said, it's it, okay. Yeah. Permitted. <laughs> All right. Good. All right. Because that's where we are. That is correct. <laughs> so every Wednesday we have a segment called It's a Wonderful Wednesday. So the, the idea behind this segment is that uh, for over the last 77 years since this movie came out, there have been numerous uh, movies, TV shows that have taken the whole idea of the, this, of you know, the, the main uh, theme of this movie, you know, of people seeing what their life would be like if, or what everyone else's life would be like without them, or in some cases also what their lives would be would be different. So uh, each each week I, I talk about some other uh, TV show or movie that that uh, hones in on this type of theme. So I was trying to think of okay, what am I going to talk about with Richard? You know, so I, I decided I was going to go to a sitcom from the 1970s, ah. and the sitcom that I chose is Laverne and Shirley. Okay, are you interested? Are you familiar with a an episode? Are you familiar with the, the show Laverne and Shirley? I, I I saw Laverne and Shirley. It was not one of the ones that I was routinely watching. I think I watched Happy Days, probably half the episodes. Laverne and Shirley, maybe uh, ten to twenty percent of the episodes. It was. I, w I was a Bob Newhart guy. Okay. 
Okay, but as we know nowadays, you can you can watch more than one show at the same time. You know, back then back then it was more difficult. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So there is an episode that aired on ABC on May twelfth, nineteen eighty one. It was the twentieth episode of the sixth sixth season of Laverne and Shirley. Laverne and Shirley is a uh, show that was a shoot off of Happy Days. And basically, it's about these uh, two friends that are completely mismatched that live in Milwaukee and work at, I guess, a beer canning uh, company or something like that. So one of them is Laverne, who's played Penny Marshall. So in this episode, the episode's name is Laverne's Broken Leg. So what happens is that uh, basically she uh, broke her leg and she's really upset that she's missing uh, a holiday party that... uh, that's going on and she convinces her friend Shirley that she should go without her. And then she starts watching TV and, and sees it's a wonderful life and falls asleep as it's a wonderful life is, is being shown on the screen. And she starts uh, bitterly saying how much she wishes she was never born. And then she, she wakes up and uh, there is this strangely dressed uh, man who's, who's in front of her, who says that he is her guardian angel in training. And that uh, because of her wish, he will show her what life would be like if, uh, if not, if, if she had never existed. So then she sees Shirley, who is usually, you know, her, Shirley is, is played by uh, um, Cindy, Cindy Williams. Cindy Williams. Yes. And, you know, the recently passed yes. Cindy Williams. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, Penny Marshall also passed away a few years ago. And basically the, the idea in the show is that uh, Shirley is uh, very tidy and cleanly. I mean, I, I think of the, this, this is sort of a female version of the odd couple type of thing. You know, with the, the, the way that yeah. the, the two characters are so mismatched. And uh, in, the, in, in this new reality... So Shirley has, the, she's like uh, someone who has like all these animals in her house. Um, and she sits down and she's addicted to the soap operas on TV and stuff like that. So basically the, the whole idea is, is that Laverne helped Shirley break out of her uh, cocoon over the course of, of their friendship. And, you know, so Laverne wasn't there to help Shirley do this. So Shirley became... Uh, closed off, you know, and uh, I guess you can call her a cat lady type of thing instead of, uh, you know, being able to go out and uh, uh, after getting dating tips and fashion tips and stuff like that from from her uh, good friend, Laverne. And then uh, we get to see uh, Lenny and Squiggy, who are, uh, you know, friends of theirs. And apparently they've uh, they become criminals who escape from prison and they uh, basically end up getting arrested because they're stealing a TV set because uh, they, they, they used to borrow TV, you know, they used to come and either watch TV or borrow the TV from, from Laverne. So they went and stole it and they end up getting, uh, getting caught because of it. And then Laverne's father, who is a, another character in the, in, in this uh, show is looks, he basically is, a, is homeless and uh, you know, in, in the, in the show itself, he has this uh, this business where he makes a lot of uh, money and stuff like that. So L- Laverne basically gets all upset about the fact that uh, 
you know, that this is what's happened to all these people. And then she, she ends up waking up and realizing that it is a dream and that she really does exist and that uh, none of the people are, uh, have changed into what she thought would, would be. Um, again, this is another example of an okay rendition of It's a Wonderful Life. Uh, I, I was never the biggest fan of Laverne and Shirley. I mean, you, you, you mentioned that you've seen some of the episodes. Right. Yeah. Um, but was it was it something that you that you remember enjoying, or it was just uh, eh? It was okay. It was okay. It was it was not must see TV as they used to refer to. Uh, that was the eighties. Some right. essential yeah. programming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't that way for me. Uh, Laverne and Shirley was very popular when I was in college, and I was busy those years. Okay, that's fair. Um, so yeah, I mean, this is an okay, uh, you know, episode dealing with "It's a Wonderful Life." Uh, there are so many better ones that some of them we've already discussed, and that we will discuss over the next, uh, the course of the next uh, few months. And I, I don't want to step on your uh, future stories or your past stories because I don't know what you're going to cover. But I do remember reading one of your reviews. Uh, about a movie that fits this category, and you are not a fan of the movie, and I'm a big fan of the movie, so I'm just going to put in my two cents for One Magic Christmas. Okay, you you can. <laughs> <laughs> Which to me is definitely, uh, it's a wonderful life type story. Yes, it is. I, I, I was not a, uh, a big fan of it, you are correct. But, uh, you know, I'm allowed. <laughs> That's right, of course. Everybody's got their different tastes. That's right. I, like I said, and I don't know if you were going to bring it up or have already brought it up on this uh, It's a Wonderful Wednesday activity, but uh, if not, now it's there. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Great. So, Richard, would you like to once again tell people where they can find Richard Kirkham? People, you can locate me at com. That's my WordPress site which is basically a doppelganger site of my original site, which is also Kirkham a Movie a Day, but it's kirkhamclass.blogspot.com. Uh, that's a blogger site, and you'll find more links there to my other projects. Also, on a weekly basis, you can catch me on the Lambcast, which is the official podcast of the Large Association of Movie Blogs, where uh, we have more than 2,000 members, but not that many people are participating in the podcast. We have maybe a, an active 70 or so people that uh, are joining the podcast on a, a semi-regular basis, although I haven't talked to a few of them in a year or two, so I'm going to have to go out and search for them. But uh, the podcast can be found at uh, largeassmovieblogs.com. All right. And finding me is very simple. Just do a quick search for Move Around Minute. You can find me on my website, moveroutminute.com. You can find me on Twitter, and you can find me on Facebook. So, until tomorrow, hot dog. Hot dog. I love you truly, truly did. Life with its sorrow, life with its tears. 